Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of all things X-Men. I am your co-host, the uncanny Dayspring. And I am your other co-host, the adjectiveless Flinkman. I have missed you so much. It, it is killing me not being able to DM you the second I read these books weekly and let you know my thoughts. Oh, I know. I know. I've, I actually read them all on Wednesday for a change this week. And so it's been like four long, torturous days of me sitting on all of my feels uh, for, for this week's issues. And trust, there, I think between the two of us, there, there's quite, <laughs> quite a few of them. Yeah, I have been dying to speak with you. And folks listening to this podcast, you're seeing live us talking about our feels for the issues. We don't discuss anything. We save it all for you, our dear listeners. But it was actually kind of a big week for uh, X-Men news. So why don't we dive into that first? Spring? what do you got? Yeah, so our first news item today is on Friday, the Hasbro team, which consisted of Dwight, Ryan, and Dan, held a triple-play live stream on YouTube as part of their Fan First Friday series, where they revealed the final figures for the House of X series that's due in early 2021. So in addition to the figures they revealed at PulseCon, which consisted of Myra X, Magneto, and Xavier, we are getting, drumroll please, Marvel Girl, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Omega Sentinel, with the Build-A-Figure still yet to be revealed. They put a lot of emphasis on being able to complete the uh, cover for House of X number one, and the only thing we don't have from that cover is the Krakoan Gate, and I can absolutely see that being a Build-A-Base... Yeah, no, you you totally took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought uh, the bath was going to be. And I agree with you. I thought maybe it could be Krokoa's face. But now that you said that, yeah, it's absolutely going to be the gates. And it, I, it I had sense. been thinking it was going to be Omega Sentinel and with like a bunch of swap parts. So I'm kind of really excited that we're actually getting her uh, as a unique release. And they said she's an all new sculpt. So that's going to yeah. be really cool. We didn't see any of the goodies she's going to come with, but they say she's going to come with goodies. And I really hope that includes a alternate head from when she was a member of the X-Men back in the, the mid-aughts. Yeah, let me dive in really quickly to the figures and what they, what they kind of said we were going to get. So Cyclops is on the Bucky body and he has new bracers and a belt and he's going to get an alt head where you can have him with or without the optic blast. Wolverine is on that X-Force Wolverine that we got with like the meaty claws. The only difference is they, they've rendered the new likeness for the head. Marvel Girl, she's going to come with some fun stuff. Dwight was pretty you know, vague about that. But I, I think this new sculpt looks great, especially considering the two-pack we got back during those dark days. And yeah, as you said, Omega Sentinel, she is completely built from the ground up. And that's why we thought she was going to be the Build-A-Figure. But no, she's just an entirely new mold and we're so excited for it. Um, I don't want to dwell too much on this. I just don't think any of these reveals were unexpected. They didn't throw us a curveball. You know, if you had your ear to the ground, you saw Rectangular leak the Marvel Girl body. Marvelous News for, for weeks now has said these were going to be the figures, and they're usually on point with the rumors. I wish we would have gotten a little bit of a curveball, but I'm fine with this figures with these figures. I'm not unhappy. 
Yeah, no, I'm, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, plus a, an extra Build-A-Figure. So I'm, I'm, no complaints, no complaints. So this next piece of news I'm super excited about because I am a sucker for the 90s and all things nostalgia. Uh, Marvel announced a new X-Men series debuting in February called X-Men Legends. And it's bringing back some legendary creators to write in-continuity stories set during their runs on the X-Books. Now, we've got some big names involved here. We have Peter David, Larry Hama, Louise Simonson, and of course, the biggest name in all of Exdom, Chris Claremont. Woo! And I could definitely get lost in endless speculation, you know, about what these folks uh, might deliver us. Um, but kicking things off in issue number one will be uh, Fabian Nicieza and Brett Booth. They're going to be picking up one of the X-Men's longest-running mysteries, who is Adam X, The Extreme, and is he the originally third, but now fourth, Summer's brother? God, I hope so. I hope so. I love his backwards hat. I love his design. I know I'm alone on this, but I love Adam X. I love Extreme. You know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I love him, but I've always been fascinated by him. And I certainly, I had his old toy, his action figure. So he, he does have a cool design. And, you know, I'm always down for some 90s era havoc. So seeing him in the blue and yellow on the cover uh, and hearing that he's going to be a big part of the story always always has me super excited. Um, so, Dayspring, what, what is one plot you'd like to see someone address? Okay. I, I don't know if mine are, are any significant. One of the, I mean, you're not going to be shocked by the first one, which was going to be Gene uh, during the Zero Tolerance era, where she's walking through the streets and everyone just disappears on her. And she turns around and she's here like, what happened? And it's like she went to an alternate dimension or something. And they've sort of left that dangling. So I'm curious what they're going to do with her. But this next one, I don't know if this is me just being nitpicky and you're going to roll your eyes about it. But um, we've seen Miss Emma Grace Frost exhibit some telekinesis in the past uh, during Generation X and, of course, in Phoenix Song. So are we going to see a reason for Emma being able to move things with her mind? Hey, you know, I am always down to revisit anything left dangling from Generation X. Um, they've never, they certainly never solved that. It seems like she, in like stressful situations, she can exhibit some yeah. form of latent telekinesis. But yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't mind uh, some confirmation on that, seeing as she's one of my favorite characters. Favorite plot thread that I want wrapped up is Adam X. I want to I wanna know what they were, what they're going to do with them. All right. Well, fortunately, you're going to get that straight away. Um, for me, definitely, it's Dazzler's mysterious resurrection powers from way back <laughs> in New Excalibur 2005. She died something like two or three times in the first half dozen issues of that series and uh, mysteriously came back to life totally as if, as if nothing had happened uh, every time. Um, it wasn't referenced for years, but there was mention of it when she was briefly uh, on A-Force. So... Uh, someone knows that it's still out there, so I wouldn't mind seeing that uh, picked up for sure. And uh, yeah, we tossed a poll up on our Instagram last week, and we asked you, our fabulous listeners, to send us some plot threads that you'd like to see addressed. And uh, some of my favorites, um, first one was bringing back the mysterious Elias Bogan from Extreme X-Men, which definitely could be fun now that Sage is back in play uh, over in X-Force. And then one I'm sure that you're probably uh, going to agree with is uh, someone would like to explore more about uh, what happened in the six-month gap that caused Jean and Betsy to mysteriously 
uh, switch cool. powers back in 2000. Um, yeah. And now both of those threads were left dangling by Chris Claremont. So we know he's around. Hopefully he's around for more than just a tale or two so that we can address one, you know, of the 900 or so threads left dangling by the master himself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of other ones that I want to see tackled as well. I'm just looking at what our listeners wrote in. Someone wrote about uh, Gene and the Phoenix, and I think that's a relationship that I wish they would tie up, you know, to see what happened when Gene was dead. Was she in the white hot room? Was she just dead dead? So let's she was see. just dead. Just, ah! just can't you just listen, listen, I've had oh. it with you. Can't you just <laughs> be happy that she's back from the dead? No, you, you have to have the story well, of what be, she was really doing while she was dead. Like, I love the white hot room. And that's why we have uh, Gene pushed Emma and Scott to be together. Anyway, okay, that's why we have that relationship. Anyways, thank you, <laughs> listeners, for our weekly it. mention of how Jean Grey is responsible for Emma and Scott's relationship. We get it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, fine. I'll move on then. Um, yes. yes. Any other Speaking news we have? And any other news? Yes. Yes. Speaking of uh, dangling plot threads, uh, the cover for X-Men number 18 by Lionel Francis Yu was released online this week. And it looks like we are finally, finally, finally going to be checking back in on Darwin, X-23, and Sync, who were last seen sneaking into the vault, uh, where we know that time moves differently. And you know what? For them, literally thousands of years could have passed by now. Um, I really don't know what to expect, uh, but I love the children of the vault. And speaking of things that we mentioned weekly, weekly shout out to Mike Carey. Uh, and I'm definitely excited to see Sync do something for the for the first time in 20 years. So definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, I was kind of upset that he came back for like a panel or two, which is in the background, and then they sent him off into into the vault, and that's it. So, God, but his costume is fabulous. They look great. This is a wonderful, beautiful cover. They look a little weather beaten, as you would expect for people who have been, you know, trapped away for thousands of years or however long it turns out to be. So I'm, ex- I'm right there with you. I saw this. I d- gave an audible gasp. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm ready to see what happens. So uh, that's looking forward to the future. Uh, right now, we have to look back on this week's issues. <laughs> Uh, we had three out this week, um, and I They're will go so ahead. They're so bad. So it was... It Sorry was for chore. cutting you off. They, it, it, this week was a chore. So listeners, beware. There's going to be a lot of shade and anger on my end. I don't know about your end. I, I, don't, I don't know about shade and anger on my end, but we'll, okay. we'll get there. We're getting right, ahead get of there. ourselves. Go. So first, let's dive into Marauders number 15, which is chapter 14 of the Ten of Swords crossover. This issue is written by Jerry Dugan and Benjamin Percy with artwork by Stefano Caselli and colors by Edgar Delgado. We open to a recap page with only one character featured, Wolverine, and also a huge data dump of events that happen off panel between issues after Logan stabs Saturnine through the chest. We're basically told his actions set off a fierce three-way battle between Saturnine's forces, the Iraqi, and our Krakoan heroes, which brought about a very gruesome end to the Marvel Universe. And I'm talking the entire Marvel Universe, including the Fantastic Four and the Avengers, all dead. It's the end of the Marvel Universe as we know it. So we get the few panels of the world burning before we arrive at an homage to the iconic Uncanny X-Men number 251 cover with Wolverine crucified on an X. He is then run through with a set of adamantium claws. The wielder is 
Saturnine herself, who is very much not dead, and this whole shebang is very much not happening because, psych, Saturnine sensed what Wolverine was planning to do, and this was all her showing him a vision of what would have happened had he succeeded. So, now, here's our real recap page with 20 characters listed, and holy shit, this is already a lot. So... We're back IRL at the dinner table in Otherworld, and an apparently not-drugged Wolverine is still acting grumpy AF naturally, I guess. But I wasn't completely wrong about what was happening last issue, because War definitely sprinkled something on the cross-dimensional California roll, and it's now definitely killing Doug Ramsey. But don't worry, Dayspring. Your comic book boyfriend survives thanks to some quick thinking on the part of Iska the Unbeaten as she casually stabs him in the throat to give him a second airway. Dope. The rest of our dinner guests are all riled up over their shit, but none more so than the white sword who's like, I didn't sign up for this coward's game and pieces out, but not before he heals Doug. Safe and sound just for you, Dayspring. Yes. I love that you said dope. I, I just want to be like you. <laughs> we spend way too much time together these days. Too much time. Uh, anywho, jumping back. Captain Avalon then petitioned Saturnine to just, you know, stop this madness. The Iraqi violated the terms of the tournament, and thus Krakoa should win by forfeit. Saturnine's like, mm, no, your side plotted to kill me, so, mm-mm. And y'all, I could absolutely go on. There are literally still 13 pages of story left at this point, but... To me, it all feels so inconsequential to the overarching story. And frankly, at this point, I'm kind of annoyed that we spent two issues at this dinner party without moving the plot forward much at all. Uh, Dayspring, please, please interject here if you thought there was anything else important. But essentially, the rest of the issue is spent vaguely talking about Death's sacred scarab, eating unicorn, and messing with Iska some more to try and pin down a weakness before Saturnine says... Thanks for coming, and uses her magical tarot cards to determine that the first match of the tournament will be Captain Britain versus Iska the Unbeaten. Uh, yeah, I think my thoughts on this are pretty clear from that somewhat unenthusiastic recap. Did I, did I miss anything, and, and, and what did you think? Nope, nope, you didn't miss anything. Fuck this crossover. Fuck it's, it. It's, it's bad. It's just... Where, have, where are we right now? What is going on? We are two issues at a dinner party. Uh, we're, we're like, what, 14, 15 chapters in at this point? Chapter four, this is chapter 14. We're two-thirds into this crossover, and we're, we haven't seen any fighting yet. Yeah, well, so let, let me just go back a little bit. The data page at the beginning, I yeah. thought, was fucking amazing and and i even got like angry i was like what the fuck like we don't even get to see this and yeah and i was like this is like really great plot like it's so like them to skip over this and then oh whoops no sorry psych. that actually didn't have psych what you just read didn't actually happen doug getting poison I, I don't know i look poor doug but I, di I didn't even understand how he was healed like white sword just like grabbed him by the neck and that's it like I didn't look. Yeah, it looked like he like pulled like pulled the poison like out of. Yeah, but he's he has a, a hole from Iska in there. You know what I mean? Like I didn't understand that. Like that's I didn't think the art was bad, but they could have I don't know given me a little step there. But also, and I and you know I'm no doctor, yeah. and neither are you. So we're neither of us are going to know the uh, answer to this. But like, how is stabbing someone in the throat and giving them a second airway going to stop 
poison anyway. It, it didn't make any sense. And I would have rather them have gone back to Krakoa and just healed Doug and he could have come back, you know, with his tail between his legs. And it's like, oh, that's the guy who can't even survive the dinner party. How's he going to survive the tournament? And he'll um, never eat sushi again. <laughs> I, why did Wolverine stab Saturn 9 then if he wasn't drugged? I don't understand that. Right, right. Like I assumed that given how much attention had been to, you know, his green beverage and how much he was drinking and the green substance being put on the sushi, I was just under the impression that Wolverine was being manipulated into killing Saturnine and like kicking off chaos. And I don't know, I thought we were in for like a total diversion from where we thought this story was going, but no, we were just down to extend the dinner party a whole nother issue. Yeah, and you know, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this. Wolverine eating a fucking unicorn is something I did not need to see. No. It was like him it was like him eating Bambi. I, I just it was disgusting. I love that Storm was disgusted by it. I just I don't know what they were trying to do with that. Like we killed a unicorn and Wolverine's eating it. Like it, it just doesn't I'm not trying to nitpick. I just it was a very unusual beat in the story i didn't understand i think the story should have ended this issue should have the dinner party scene should have ended when doug was healed and they give the beat to apocalypse and genesis that's where i think the organically the issue ended the only thing i thought was kind of cute was iska magic and kid cable when they were like so you're you're unbeatable let's let's test this and they were like you should meet domino and I thought that was I mean, cute. sure, but we got that last issue. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I'm wrong with this. But when I was reading it, I was like, oh, they're setting something up. Like, she's unbeatable. That's her mutant power. So maybe that's going to play in later on. And, of course, in the next issue, which I'll discuss, it doesn't. I mean, I agree with you. There was no point to that scene. It was just filling pages. I was done Thank you, next. I, yeah, no, that's the perfect way to transition to the next issue because I really thank you, but I have nothing more to say. So our next issue is chapter 15 of the crossover. It is issue 14 of Excalibur. The writer is Teeny Howard and the artist is Phil Noto. So straight up, this cover made me nervous going into it. It's Doug facing Bay with Betsy Magic and Apocalypse behind him, giving him emotional support as he basically wets himself. But of course, as all things Marvel, the cover is misleading. All right, this is it, folks. No more Real Housewives-style dinner parties or boring history lessons. It's the day of the tournament. Jubilee and Shogo, as a dragon, are in the forest of the Forgiven or the Forgiven Forest in Otherworld when Betsy telepathically comes in and tells Jubilee about the duel and tells her to stay away from the Citadel. She wanted to let Jubilee know what was going on in case anything happens. I I love that Jubilee had no idea there was a duel going on. Yeah, like it's so typical. Like just leave Jubilee out as usual. Betsy is cut off from Jubilee when Iska the Unbeaten comes in and they, well, specifically Iska, has some pre-fight smack talk going on. So the tournament kicks off and King Jamie is there in his sinister cape overseeing the commencement and Betsy and Iska duel. And I'm sorry to say, Iska lives up to her name, shatters the Starlight Sword, and as a result, Captain Britain shatters. Like her entire body just shatters and falls to the floor like a mirror breaking. So everyone, especially Brian, is up in arms that Betsy has seemingly perished. But there's no time to mourn the dead because our next duel is about to begin. It's Doug and Bay. 
And Doug is immediately taken away by some handmaidens and adorned in a head reef and a toga. We find out now that Doug can't understand Bay's language, and it's mentioned why in the data page. I guess her the way she communicates, her doom note, it's called, just cancels out with his power set. It's it's a long-winded page for just basically saying they cancel each other out. Long-winded? Stunned. Stunned. Uh, but that doesn't matter because it's time for them to fight till death do them part. That's right, true believers. Their duel is a wedding. Doug and Bay are to be wed. So we have our answer to his tarot card. This, I, I'm sorry. This is fucking ridiculous. I, I'm sorry for cussing and interrupting this. It's not even handled well. Like, what is the purpose of this wedding? I, I, sadly, no idea. No idea. And how is a wedding a duel? Sadly, my reader brain is just too stupid to comprehend how clever this twist is. Because I agree with you. How is this supposed to be about marriage being a duel? Like, I, I'm not seeing it. I, I'm just too stupid as a reader to, to get what's going on here. Are so, you stupid or is this stupid? So Doug hits, thank you, I appreciate that. That's the only compliment you're going to hear. So Doug makes it to the, to the altar and Bay's already there and he sees her eyes. And of course, that's all he needs to see because the eyes are the window to the soul. And Doug immediately, I guess, falls in love with her. Maybe she's bewitched by him. I, I don't know. It, it felt sincere to me. The scene felt very sincere. Um, but holy smokes, the ceremony cannot go on anymore because Jubilee and Shogo start attacking the Citadel and Saturnine is pissed as fuck about it. And Saturnine basically establishes some kind of rapport with Shogo and tames the winged beast, leaving Jubilee unharmed as a courtesy to the X-Men. And the issue ends with the wedding ceremony completed and a point is awarded to both teams and Bay plants a wet one on Doug. So with Betsy's death, Arako got one point. With the wedding, Arako got another. They have two. And with the wedding, Krakoa gets one. So that's how we, we end our issue. Arako is leading Krakoa by one point. What did you think? Because I, I, I'm going to go to town, but... You, I, you know please. what? I want you to go to town because I was so not into this issue that I don't even have... Like, I don't even have thoughts on, okay. on how disinterested in this I was. It just took such a crazy left turn into just utter nonsense. It totally derailed the issue for me. That's about the summation of my feelings on it. So please, please, Dayspring, let, let me know what you thought. Okay, the art was great. I wanted to beautiful. say I like Phil Noto. Phil Noto, beautiful. great art. Betsy's death scene was beautifully rendered. I love Doug, how he looks in it, great. I hated this fucking issue. I would have rather Doug died. I said it, I would have rather him just flat out died. Because now he's going to be stuck with this. Because now he's going to be stuck with Bay. It didn't make any sense to me. How is this, what, what plot twist is this? Is this going to come down later, later on? Fine, fine, fair enough. But it just didn't make sense. And I'm sorry, we've had 15 issues, 15 long very data-heavy issues leading up to the tournament, and we don't even get a fucking opening ceremony. Right. Like, like, no opening ceremony, nothing that reiterates what's at stake. Nothing, that's it. It just starts off, and in, within two pages, 
Betsy's dead. And then we're supposed to be like, oh, Betsy's dead, boo-hoo. Like, it's such an insincere way the characters grieve. Like, even Magic has to come in and tell Doug, oh, yeah, we're all pretty inconsolable, and even Brian is so angry and all this stuff. Like, why are you just saying this? Like, show it. Like, this just makes me... Betsy's death is obviously not going to be permanent. And, like, not even... Teeny Howard believes that in her own writing. And it's, it's I, offensive to me that just like three pages after Betsy dies, Cable is at the wedding smiling, giving Doug a thumbs up as if nothing is wrong. And by the way, Doug and Betsy kind of had a thing together inappropriately back in the 80s. Like those two characters. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. Those, he, Doug is not just going to be like, oh, Betsy just died. Now let me go get married. Yeah. And number two. Also hated that Doug is all like, ooh, I don't know about this. This is bad. This is terrible. She pulls back her veil. She's pretty. And suddenly he's like, oh, you're pretty. So this is okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So here's the thing. I, I just have two really, two, two points about this. One about Betsy's death. The thing about Iska's mutant power is that she's unbeatable, right? And, and I thought that was going to be her Achilles heel. I think that's what they were trying to establish in the issue before because they're going to trick her power. Like what Betsy lacks in odds and strength, she can make up for it in wit and intelligence. So I thought she was going to get Iska to think that she's going to hit a target she has to hit a target but it's actually gonna like electrocute her or kill her whatever you know but it was nothing there was no twist to that betsy just dies and, and she looks so weak doing that and i'm like this is fucking betsy Braddock. like she's not a wuss and, and so that's what pissed me off the other thing was with doug ramsey i'm sorry i get it he can't understand her language but it's understood that language is communicated in various different forms and doug can read that he can read binary codes he can read architecture there's something called body language so i don't understand like he would have read her body language and been able to start deciphering things it made doug look stupid it just made him look stupid and useless when we know his power set is a lot more diverse and stronger than that and i don't mind that doug looked like a total bottom. Like he was the one who walked down the, the aisle. He was the one that got the kiss from her. I love that. I love that he was more submissive. But just because he's submissive doesn't mean he's useless or powerless. And he's a very, he has the strongest power there, I think. Right. And I, I will say, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, how much we love Phil Noto and how beautiful this is. But one thing nitpick that I do have with the art in this issue is how young Doug looks. Oh, he looks like a baby. He looks like a 12-year-old boy. And I mean, I know he's not Cyclops age. Like, we know he's not late 20s. But at this point, the new mutants can drink. Doug should be depicted 22 tops. But he shouldn't be looking like a 12-year-old. So it all just kind of had this weird, like, it, it, it made it even weirder for me, basically seeing this little boy being married off to this giant woman that he just met. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was all just very strange. And it was, you know, I was, I was really looking forward to that tarot card meeting. Doug was going to fall in love with Warpath. That, yeah, that's, that's why I'm so disappointed. Well, I'm disappointed about that too. But I just think, here's the thing. I, I want to support Teeny Howard so badly. I think her actual dialogue and writing is good, but her plot and pacing is terrible. You had momentum building. You had 15 issues leading up to this tournament. Kick it off with something ceremonious. We have Jamie in the sinister cape, and that's great. But the scene opening up with Iska and Betsy 
felt so small. And I don't see the purpose of Jubilee and Shogo there other than they needed a foil for the wedding. And, you know, maybe Shogo is going to play a role later on. Fine. But I needed it felt very small. Like I wanted a big elaborate scene, like all the warriors lined up. The stakes are mentioned. Boom. We're starting and fine. Right out of the gate. Betsy dies. Fine. Fine. I'm okay with that. I don't want Betsy to die, but fine. But no, this was just bullshit. It was bullshit. It wasn't clever. It made Betsy look stupid. And I'm, no, I'm not here for it. Thank you. Next. Oh, oh, is, is it my <laughs> turn again? <laughs> I said, no, I'm, I'm so angry. I'm speechless. I can't go on anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess, I, I guess in, in that case, I, I, it, I guess I'd better move on to the, to the, to the next recap. Hmm. Wait, wait, hey. I'm sorry. Can I just, can I just interject listeners? Me and Flink can talk hours about these books and we can disagree. And literally he is so low energy right now. And I am so angry that I can't even, I can't even go on anymore. That's it. That's how profoundly awful the books have been this week to us. I'm just I'm, awful. Ex- I'm exhausted. Like you guys, I, I read these on, like I said, I read them Wednesday, the day they came out. I was like, what the hell for days? Forgot about them intentionally for put them out of my mind. Didn't want to think about it. And then today to prepare for this, I had to reread them. And it was just so exhausting that I am now exhausted. I'm exhausted. But we have one more. We have one more to review Mm. and recap. So here we go. (laughs) We are now on to Wolverine number seven, which is part 16 of the never-ending Ten of Swords crossover, written by, once again, Benjamin Percy and Jerry Dugan, with art by Joshua Kassara and colors by Guru FX. We open to the floating kingdom of Roma Regina and our third match of the tournament, which is between magic and internet sensation Pog or Pog. These are two characters who love a good sword fight and have probably actually been looking forward to this, so they immediately have at it. Magic Soul Sword versus Pogger Pogs Pogger Pog. But uh, Saturnine says, nope, this is a contest of arms. And she means that quite literally, as our champions are then forced to arm wrestle. Jesus Christ. Okay, sure. I guess that's where we're going with all this now. So why the fuck not? So since Pogger Pog is, by Magic's own description, a chonky dinosaur, he immediately defeats her, and Araco is now up three to one. Moving right along to the realm of Blightspoke, our fourth match is a fight to the death between Wolverine and Summoner, but surprise, they're actually fighting Blightspoke itself, for it is a poison land where the remnants of collapsed realities gather, causing an endless loop of reality warps, or something like that. Anyway, here's where we get probably the coolest scene of the entire crossover so far, as Logan and Summoner duel through at least 20 different reality warps with some pretty wild variations. We get a classic comic panel, a Tron panel, a Cubis panel, a Blood and Guts panel, a chessboard panel, even a panel with an actual Wolverine versus a snake. But... The warp battle through Blightspoke abruptly ends when Logan tosses his sword right through Sumner's left eye. So that's a point for Krakoa, right? No, no. Wrong. It was a fight to the death, and Sumner fought to his death. As in, he's now dead, so it's a point for Araco. Someone, sure. tell, that to, someone tell that to Betsy. Right? Yeah. right. Someone yeah. tell that to Betsy. 
Poor Betsy, Jesus. But you know so, what? Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, no, please. No, I, I'm sorry. There you go again. Oh, I'm so sorry. This clever little plot twist we didn't see, and it doesn't make sense in the context of what uh, of the other scenes we've been shown. But there you go. No, it was a fight to the death. Oh, you reader, you're so stupid. It's actually Araco that's going to get this point. Yep, yep. So score is now Araco four, Krakoa one, and we're moving on to. Saturnine Storm and Logan enjoying cocktails courtesy of Mad Jim Jaspers. But, surprise, this too is another stupid battle. A drinking battle between Logan and Storm that's a gimme for Krakoa and earns our heroes their second point. Now, as these two are busy getting wasted, we see Jim Jaspers sneak off and make a bargain with Death to procure that sacred scarab we caught a glimpse of in the last issue of Marauders. A seed planted for another time, I suppose. Lots of seeds. All the seeds. We've got lots of seeds here. Anyway, we cut to Saturnine giving a speech about how no matter the nation, everyone is both enemy and lover, which sets up another battle between two characters who are ostensibly on the same side, Solemn and War. Now, remember, while both are technically fighting for Araco, Solemn killed War's husband, and so these two fucking hate each other. The scenes setting up this battle are interspersed with scenes of Storm and Logan getting drunker and horny before, poof, we are mercifully spared their smooch as wasted Wolverine is transported to the fighting arena. Now would be a good time to remind everyone that Logan owes Solemn a favor for giving him one of the two Muramasa blades when they were trapped in hell, however many issues ago that was. And now he's calling that favor in, so Wolverine is to fight war in his place. Okay, I'm exhausted, but we're going to keep going. It looks like we're actually in for another sword fight here as Saturnine states the terms. First to sever an appendage wins. Oh, and here's another friendly reminder. Summoner was War's son, and uh, Wolverine just killed him a few pages earlier, and clearly War isn't one for forgiveness, so she starts coming in hot. No pun intended. (laughs) War gets in a couple of good shots, and it looks like Logan's about to lose his head, but... Ultimately, Wolverine is the best there is at what he does, and he manages to slice War's hand off first. But remember, because Logan was fighting on behalf of Solemn, that's actually another point for Araco, and we end the issue with a score of Araco 5, Krakoa 2. Please take it away. (laughs) The art was beautiful. The art was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Two pages of reality warps. It was so clever, well done. beautiful exciting kinetic everything else that this crossover has not been so far yep i mean you took the words right out of my mouth okay so i already mentioned this i'm furious so wolverine kills summoner and the point goes to them because now this is a fight to the death shouldn't that be the rules for all the tournaments then like i'm sorry like that's it i like that plot twist but you have to make that applicable for all of the tournaments then you know like i i don't i i (sighs) It just feels like Saturnine is making this up as she goes along. So that's the thing. Exactly. Thank you. Saturnine is this goddess and she's just, it's just her whim. And these tarot cards are inconsequential. Like I just, I'm not. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. I really despised 
that Storm and Wolverine scene. And, and it was for a little subtle thing. It was when Storm said, I'm not going to tell Jean, you know, what's going on here with those flirting and everything. I get that Storm and Wolverine have a history. I really do. And that the X-Men are having orgies now. But at the end of the day, what drives X-Men stories are their humanity and their relationships. And Storm and Jean are supposed to be sisters. And I don't believe for one second she would mack on Jean's man. I'm like, fine, I get it. They're drunk. That's the entire point. Vida Ayala like, wrote this wonderful scene with Storm back when she was with Shuri. And that was so smart, so fleshed out. How have we gone from something like that? Like, It's hard to believe that this is the same crossover. You bring up that... Vita Ayala issue of Excalibur. That was just, we've had two issues of Excalibur since then. Both of them were utter nonsense. Like, I don't, it just, how did we get here? Why are we here? And how long do we have to stay? Yeah, like Vita wrote such a wonderful scene. I wish I would have seen some of the the remnants of Storm's personality in the scene. But it just felt, the, the Wolverine and Storm scene felt off. I get they're drunk. Who knows what's going on there? But um, here's my thing. Here's my thing with this crossover. Otherworldly beasts declare a fight to the death with our earthly heroes. They have swords. Certain death is a possibility. Unicorns are being eaten. I thought we were getting Mortal Kombat. I want action. They spent 15 issues building up to this tournament. And what, we get an arm wrestle and, and Dude. a wedding? Dude, and that, the arm wrestle is probably... It's hard to say that it's the most ridiculous thing of this entire crossover, but think about it. We have Magic, who is the most badass of all of the heroes assembled here in Otherworld. She's the, one of the only people here who is actually a swordsman. And she's going up against Pogger Pog, who is this big-ass dinosaur with the cool design, the only new character here really worth mentioning, in my opinion. And what do they do with them? They make them not fight. They make them have an... They arm wrestle. They arm wrestle. And it just... It's beyond the scope of believability in any way. And I know we're talking about X-Men comic books and I know we're talking about an omniversal majestic holding a fucking multiversal tournament here, but like I can be on board with that concept. I cannot be on board with the concept that magic has to arm wrestle a dinosaur for the sake of the universe. I just can't. I just can't. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I feel, like I said, I feel like the writers are just patronizing the readers. It, it's offensive. These aren't clever plot twists. I'm all for a clever plot twist. Like I thought the, the fight to the death, ooh, there you go. In order to get a point, you need to die. Like that is, that's great. Yeah. But that's not what you're showing us with Betsy or, or anything else. And I'm sorry. Like, it seems like you nailed it when you said Saturn 9 is making this up as she goes along. That's exactly what it feels like. I feel like the writers here, they're all good writers. Like I don't want to hate too much on the writers because they're all just sort of, you know, trotting along on this crossover, doing the best they can to to fill 22 issues and, and, and make this work. I feel like what I'm getting is not Mortal Kombat. I'm getting Game of Thrones, the final season. Yes, exactly. That's- this is very that. Uh, I'm sorry. And you know what? I And look, you know, I, I love to dig deep into these issues. And for me to say, just get me some action. Like, I just want to see these, the, these characters fight. That's all. Uh, you know, we, the only fight we've gotten that's worth mentioning is Summoner versus Wolverine. That was, that was amazing. But everything else has just been kind of, yeah. eh. And, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced we're going to get any more fighting in the future the way things are going. No, I don't. And I'm now getting nervous. 
It's going to be oh, rock, what? paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Like, I think- Can't you see it? Can't you see them like- apocalypse and his lost love annihilation in an arena and a battle to the death <laughs> playing rock paper scissors like oh my god and the thing is is at this point you can't say with any certainty that that won't happen yeah no i agree with you it's just it's lame the crossover is lame it's i don't know you know for i was proselytizing for so many weeks that they you know editorially the pandemic gave them this upper hand they've been able to turn out something that's been pretty impressive in terms of content but no the actual story like oh it's just it has a lot of fat on it that's not lean i'm not here for it can you just imagine somebody one of our listeners like listening to these consecutively and it's going to be a roller coaster for them our feels on this crossover because it like we started out real strong we were headed upwards and now we've like reach the peak and we're we're going way down well do you remember we loved stasis right that was the name of the first chapter i think it was x-men stasis yeah yeah x of sword stasis yeah ten of swords yeah. yeah ten of swords stasis it was great i loved it we had popo we had you know a lot of great characters it, it was interesting we got that back history on the Araco mutants great Give us more. And, and they've just kind of gone downhill. And, and we've been- They've given us more though, that's for sure. Give, give us more in the sense of give us more good storytelling. Don't, don't keep reiterating don't and building Don't just throwing layers. shit at the wall. Yeah, don't stop throwing shit at the wall. Like the storm issue was so good. And I like the Wolverine getting, the, getting his blade issues as well. I, I, I was not what, opposed though? to it. That is so foretelling of how this crossover was going to go. I was complaining at that point that it took two issues to get to that point, And now we've had the same dinner party for two issues. I'm just like, honestly, if we were going to get a two issue dinner party, why couldn't it have been Storm and Shuri? Yeah, I agree. We'll end our episode on a note of hope that something truly unexpected could happen next week that blows us away and makes us love it again we don't know this is what happens when they release them three at a time right i mean they're you know we're we are reviewing these as they come out so maybe something spectacular is going to happen next week when we get x-force number 14 hellions number six and cable number six but i'm not holding my breath oh maybe that's going to be one of the challenges holding your breath who can hold their breath the longest oh and then they're not even going to get a point so and folks this week we have a very special episode airing it's actually not just one episode it's going to be a two-parter and the guests are incredible i was fanboying out the entire time blink do you want to do you want to say who they are they are the authors of X-Men, the art and making of the animated series, and are responsible for giving us the X-Men animated series. We will have showrunner Eric Leewald and series writer Julia Leewald. And because they are awesome, their publisher sent us a free copy of the book for a giveaway. So, so tune into our Instagram for details on that giveaway, and one of you lucky listeners will get a copy of the book. The seriously amazing book. It is literally my favorite book this it's year. It's my new I, Bible. Yeah, I love reading. And this book, I'm telling you, it's, it's everything you want out of an X-Men animated book. Yeah, treasure trove, guys. All right, with that being said, I am the Uncanny Dayspring. And I am the adjectiveless Flinkman. We'll see you next week. Peace out, guys.